Welcome to an excellent edition of Rebellion's educational series. I'm here with the brilliant Malcolm Dorson to understand what has happened to the stock market this year. The crash of 2022 has taken the world by storm. Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on today. Sure. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. So my first question is, why do you think the market crashed this year? Um, well, there are various factors contributing to this, but I think sort of in the most simple terms, it's, it's higher interest rates. Uh, the market's gotten very, very comfortable to this world of soft monetary policy, which most recently was complemented by a lot of um, stimulus on the fiscal side as well, especially coming from, from the U.S. government and developed market economies in general. And as that eventually led into kind of an overheated situation leading to, to higher inflation rates, um, the market realized that we're going to have to have a pivot. So in the fourth quarter of last year, we saw that primarily driven from Fed Chairman Powell. And the market now complemented with the overheated economy uh, leading to inflation that we already had last year, in addition to the supply chain problems we have out of China and the supply demand dynamics we have out of um, the Ukraine-Russia situation. All of that is exasperating inflation. And now we're not really sure what the Fed has to do exactly to, to cap that. So given that the market has been overwhelmingly invested in high growth potential names, higher multiple names over the past five years to a decade. Um, us as analysts and investors have to revisit our models and discount cash flows at higher cost of capital without real certainty at what that cost of capital should be. So when you're discounting those flows at, um, at higher interest rates, that means you're going to be getting a, a, a lower target price. So overall, you're seeing a big, uh, a big sell-off in equities driven by that. But will that model apply to China where they're going to be lowering interest rates and dropping stimulus on the market? So China is actually one of, it, it's super interesting because that's probably the only major central bank in the world that's actually lowering interest rates. So theoretically, China should be having a fantastic year, not only because of that, but also because this is going to be, uh, in October, we're seeing Xi Jinping's uh, confirmation for a, a third term. Um, China started out the year with a pretty robust 5.5% growth target. And uh, you know, Chinese officials and the Chinese government, the CCP in general, has always kind of measured themselves and measured their own performance by reaching those levels of growth that they set out to achieve, whether that be on a national or regional scale. Um, so they have an ambitious target. Um, you want momentum going into that, that confirmation of power into, into October. And you're doing so by, or the Chinese government's doing so by softening that regulatory tone that we saw last year that really created a, a pretty big sell-off in markets, uh, but also by increasing fiscal stimulus. Um, and on top of that, you have those two pillars complemented by the third pillar, pillar of soft monetary policy. China should be taking off, but unfortunately, um, the uh, Chinese vaccines haven't been as effective as Western vaccines. Um, China is doing everything they can to prevent deaths uh, stemming from COVID-19 Omicron's variant. Um, so they've continued to push through with the uh, COVID-0 policy and extreme lockdowns, which has been a massive, um, mass driven a massive slowdown to economic activity. So the question is, and no one has a crystal ball, when can they get over that? Will these lockdowns work? Will the seven vaccines that they're working on with NRNA uh, um, 
um, technology be approved in time to, to vaccinate the population to, to kind of have a, a really robust reopening from there. Um, and if or when that will happen is going to determine when we're going to see all that pent up demand unleash for a potential really strong rebound out of China. Definitely. And the U.S. Treasuries, I don't think anybody could foresee what happened with them this year. The, the worst historical return in like 70 or 80 years for uh, U.S. debt. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. It is really surprising, uh, especially as we've seen um, war in Ukraine. We've seen a lot of uncertainty out of China um, and um, and we've seen a lot of spillover into Europe and the rest of the world as well. So normally you'd expect sort of a, a flight to quality. And, and we are seeing that in terms of the strength of the dollar, the dollars at, at multi-year highs right now. Um, but we're not seeing that in treasuries, which is sort of a divergence that, that you, you don't normally see. And, um, and I think the main driver of that, again, is, is the higher interest rates. Uh, people are selling off the bonds they have now because they're foreseeing higher and higher rates down the road. Um, so they'll be able to get higher yields uh, out of new issuances uh, in times to come. So selling off what they have now. Malcolm, how do you personally feel about $100, $110 oil? Does that seem like a fair market price? Or do you think that's something that you know, might ease in a few years? Or do you think oil is too hard to call? It's really difficult to call, but um, I'm glad you gave me that window of a few years um, because I think, yes, might ease in a few years. Uh, in the near term, very difficult. OPEC can't turn on, doesn't have just a, a magic button that they can turn on the amount of supply that can make up for, for what Russia um, is taking out of the market right now or what the West is taking out of the market by, by sanctioning Russia. Um, but at the same time, um, OPEC is committed to, because we have to remember when, when COVID started, OPEC shut down, shut off a significant amount of supply because uh, you know, demand dropped so much. Um, since then, there has been a steady plan to, to produce more and more incremental barrels of oil uh, per month. And OPEC has um, stuck to that plan and they have been ramping up supply, um, but it's not going to be enough to, to make up for, for what we've lost. So um, now we have to kind of look into other areas. One is the, are the higher oil prices creating demand destruction? Um, so that supply, de supply demand dynamics will, will even out at, at lower levels. Two are the higher interest rates globally that we're seeing around the world, um, creating a slowdown in growth and economic recessions, potentially in the US and Europe, uh, that will also create another level of, of demand destruction, um, which again would level off that supply demand dynamic. And third, where else can we get supplies and move into alternative energy sources? Is it the U.S. turning on um, turning on their net gas production um, or, or other areas um, of incremental supply from other areas around the world? Uh, all of that will take multiple years to, to get to the levels that we need to bring down oil prices. So over time, I think we can get there through a combination of increased supply and lowering demand, but in the near term, it's all about what's going to happen in, uh, in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, no, definitely. This is you know, ex extremely heightened time of uh, decision. Uh, last week at the Robinhood Benefit, I had the pleasure of uh, chatting with uh, Leanne Cooperman, uh, formerly of Goldman Sachs and Omega Advisors, and he was telling me that you know, he still sees the U.S. economy being so strong, and that coupled with potentially a Republican sweep in the fall could see hopefully resurgence in the stock market. Who knows, of course, but uh, you know, it's, it's nice to 
have some positive sentiments. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess I, my last question, and I'm going to let you go. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you feel is the strongest part of our global economy right now? If there was one country that you think you know, was leading the pack, is there one that stands out or do you think right now there really is not one? Um, in the whole world, I mean, that, that's an interesting question. And I think if we're talking about 2022 specifically. Um, I think I'd look at, at, at energy producing countries and I think I'd look at the Middle East. I'd look at, at Saudi Arabia no. uh, specifically. No. Um, you know, yeah, Saudi. Yeah, no, brilliant answer. Totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, um, so, in line with 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 your thoughts, I, I, I assume as well as you know, energy producing country, U.S. dollar peg, uh, running out of fiscal surplus, running out of current account surplus, um, and with a very young tech savvy population and a government yes. that's reinvesting their money to diversify their economy. Yeah, it's definitely their day right now. Uh, Malcolm, this was a Phenomenal talk. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. Thank you. Uh, be well. Thank you.